Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Very good. So we talked uh, for a long time about the EuroLeague. I want to shift a little bit to one more market, and that is that is your hometown market, the UK. So okay, can we can, can we uh, before we do that, Kevin? And and I want to have full full disclosure for listeners. Kevin has absolutely no idea what I'm going to do next, oh but um, I, I I prepared for this as well, and I, I prepared a few uh, short questions for you. And so if we're if we're moving on from from your basketball activity, then uh, it's now now it's your turn to answer my questions. Um, Here we go. So 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 listen carefully, okay? So first of all, the Tarka surname, okay? It's most prevalent in Romania. So how did your Romanian forefathers arrive to the U.S.? Romania. I, yeah. that, that's that, that's the first I've heard of Romania. It's it's Italy. Italian roots is where is where it's really from. But I guess you okay, never know these days. Who? Yeah, exactly. Who who told you it was Italian roots? Because maybe there's there's something that they haven't told you, Kevin. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe there's some secrets. We talk about it a lot. There's some secrets. There's some Italian heritage. There's a little bit of German. There's actually a little bit of Irish. There's a little bit of uh it's it's spread out throughout europe for sure i don't know okay. that's the first i've heard of romania though i might need to i might need to take a trip and do some do some research digging okay okay right next are you related to the author leonidas tarka to my knowledge i am not but i might have to buy a new book okay well he, he wrote some books about like uh bullying so you know maybe <laughs> maybe i can help you know understand some of your kind of school days as well so. definitely <laughs> Okay, now the Tarka, okay, uh, spelled with a K, but pronounced the same. The Tarka is a block flute, like a recorder, but comparatively shorter and quite angular in shape. It requires greater breath and has a darker, more penetrating sound. It's unique to the Andes, and there are three variants, big, medium, and small. Usually all three kinds are used together, playing the same melody at fixed intervals and accompanied by a percussion instrument named the wankar. Now, which of the four inside name four instruments? Okay, so big, medium, and small taka and then the wankar, which is a percussion instrument, it's like it's like a drum, like a hand drum. Which instrument will be played by you, by TJ, by Megan, and by Greg? Oh, wow, that's that is a that is a question. So we got so say it again, we've got the big, medium, and small tarka, and then yep. what's what's the other one? It's a wankar, it's like a, a percussion, it's like a hand drum, it's like a hand drum that you hold in one hand and you kind of wrap it. So. Okay. Um, wow. Let's see. I will do the hand drum because I feel okay. like that's easiest to not sound like an idiot. Um, okay. So I choose that. And then I guess we can go. Um, do, do you have do you have more information here on the on the the sounds that come out of the big, medium and small? Or is one more uh, annoying to listen to than the other? Yeah, so the, the, the small one's basically an octave higher, so it's kind of like a higher pitch. 
and then the medium is is I think it's like a a fifth or something. I forget exactly. And then the 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 big is the let's say that has the bass like the deepest uh, the deepest tone. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not very musically inclined, so I'm just going to kind of go out on a wing here. We'll give we'll give my sister Megan the the big one because it's going to be. I, I feel like she would have the um, she would have the urge to just kind of play at will and be the most obnoxious. Uh, although I love her, so she gets the big one. Um, and then I guess it's just a toss up between Greg and TJ. So. We'll give uh, we'll give TJ the elder, the medium one, and we'll give Greg the smaller. He's okay, actually the so only he, he's the only real musician, I guess. He he. Oh, my older brother played a little bit of music too, but I, I can never read music, so that's why I'm going with the thing that you just hit and make some noise, you know. Okay, so always pick on the the, the little brother. So Greg always gets it. It's terrible. Okay, now um, you you've been known to spend some time in the kind of Mar Vista, Venice Beach parts of LA. Um, is this because you secretly wish to be the next Billy Hoyle? And, and if yes, uh, why do you not have a Puerto Rican living girlfriend whose goal in life is to be a contestant on Jeopardy? Oh. Now, for, for younger listeners who may not understand the references, you have to go and watch uh, the White Men Can't Jump movie and then, you know, uh, thank us for that tip afterwards. Wow. That putting me in the same sentence as, as my man Billy is, is a compliment in itself. So much appreciated. And uh, ironically, the only trip I took this year outside of the, the main U.S. states was to Puerto Rico. And I don't quite have a Puerto Rican girlfriend, but we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> I might have to go back for the third trip. Right. I, I have to, you know, like I have to convince I have to convince a little bit. OK, no, that's good. That's good. That's progress. OK, now, as, as you just mentioned, you know, you, you, you've had the, 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 the opportunity, you know, pre-COVID at least to, to travel quite a lot uh, around the world, thanks to basketball, which has been the most unique destination uh, and, and why? Mm. The most unique destination, oh, let's see, I would say it has to be like kind of an off the radar place. Um, most unique destination would probably be something like, mm, I mean, Belgrade was, was pretty unique. Uh, it's also one of my favorite. I think it was unique more so for the fact that it was just much different than expected. You know, I think, well, I think most places in, 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 uh, in Europe or overseas are very different than the media portrays them to be typically. Uh, but Belgrade, I was, you know, expecting some like, I don't know, industrialized buildings and nothing modern. And uh, that's just kind of the way that was portrayed in whether it was textbooks or, 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 I don't know, whatever the heck I was paying attention to in high school or college. And, uh, and you get there and it was very different. It is, uh, it is quite the uh, quite the crazy city, and uh, yeah. So I, I guess I'll go with Belgrade. That was it's a tough question. Though. I'm sure I'm sure I can think of a couple other places. Okay. Now at the time we're halfway through. Okay, at the time of recording, uh, 173 podcast episodes have been posted, um, which has been the most educational until now. Oh wow, the most educational. I would like to say it was. Uh, it was some of the ones that I've done about becoming an agent. Um, I'm trying to think of a, I mean, all my guests were educational in their own, in their own, uh, in their own profession. So I'm not going to single anyone out because they were all great, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the, the actual 
steps to becoming an agent because I think that was much more educational than anybody portrays being an agent to be because everyone thinks of being an agent as this, you know, this uh, Jerry Maguire-esque, but it is far different and, and the day-to-day is very different than, uh, than what people expect. So there, and, and that was broken down into at least three or four episodes. Okay. As will this, no. by the time you're done asking me questions. No, you have no idea. <laughs> There's still four questions to come. So. Oh, here we go. Now, name the bigger achievement in Coach Tom Moore's career. Was it recruiting Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton, and Karan Butler to UConn? Or was it convincing Kevin Tarka to walk on at Quinnipiac? Wow. Let me tell you, that is an easy one. And it definitely is not, it is definitely not convincing Kevin Tarker to walk on at Quinnipiac. Okay. <laughs> That's an easy one. Now, in your senior season at Quinnipiac, you were 0 for 5 from behind the arc. But much more importantly, you were 0 for 6 from the free throw line. <laughs> now, against which opponent did you go 0 for 4 from the line in only 38 seconds on the court? Well, I actually, I don't think I remember the, was it St. Francis, Pennsylvania at home? I mean, well, give me a second to guess. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say it if you didn't. Four of those six were about in 30 seconds right after another. And two of them I didn't even deserve. Actually, that, that, it's, it's, it's a fun little story. The first, two, the first two I deserved, I went in for a layup and I got fouled. And then the second two, and, and obviously I missed both and everyone was very upset with me. And then the second two, so it was like, there was like 10 seconds left of the game and I drove to the basket and the guy, I, I clearly put my shoulder down. The guy clearly took a charge and the ref blew, blew a foul on the defender. And as I was walking to the free throw line, I walked by the ref, he was going to the scorer's table and he was like, you owe me for that one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so now I have to hit these two. All right, good. And then I, I proceeded to miss both. Uh, hold on, give me a sec. On the opponent, who was that? It was a home game, so that's. It was. A, I. I. I, yeah. I distinctly. It is ingrained in my brain. Um, um, there was less than a minute left. Coach Moore subbed out and tied five. <laughs> and put in put in the person who he should have started from the beginning to give us more points from the free throw yep. line. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't. A, it wasn't the other St. Francis PA. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put you out of your misery. It was Bryant. Bryant. Ah, yeah. should have known. I got it back, though. I, I, two, of, two of my career points were on a layup at Bryant. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what most listeners probably don't know is that in the history of NCAA Division I basketball, no senior um, has ever attempted that many free throws without making at least one of them. So, so that's one more part that Kevin's you know, making history. Um, hey, man, I, you know, I, I lead the country in several stats, and, and, and I'm yeah. glad you pointed that one out. Now, if, uh, if NCAA NIL rules were in place back in 2012, um, what would your asking price have been to promote a product such as Fifty Shades of Grey on your Twitter account? <laughs> we haven't even gotten into this conversation yet, but it, let me tell you, if NIL was around, I, would be, I probably wouldn't have student loans anymore like I do now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how much, how much to promote Fifty Shades of Grey book on your, on your Twitter account? Because you mm. launched your Twitter account in 2012, so just just before the, you, know, you finished college. I did, so. I did. So how, how much would you have asked? Oh man, per book? Yeah, uh, per post, per, per tweet. Per tweet, mm, I, I think it'd be it'd have to be in at least in the hundred range. 
least in the hundred range. You know, a hundred dollars goes a long way for a college weekend, right? Okay. How much would you have asked to make a personal appearance at Bugsy's? At where? Bugsy's, Bugsy's Jeweling Pianos. A personal appearance? I think any personal appearance would start at at least a thousand. At least a thousand, okay. And finally to have your own line of Nike sneakers. Ooh. I would, I would pay whatever money I had in my bank account to be able to launch my own line of Nike sneakers because on the back end, that's where the money is. Okay. So if you had a student loan and that's, you kind of in red numbers, so I don't know how that works, that you would have paid Nike, you know, your, your like, yeah. uh, overdraft or whatever. But. It, it would have been a future, it would have been a future, a future value of, of future earnings. Okay. Okay, okay, fair enough. So Nike, Nike will be waiting some time. <laughs> yeah, Nike, not, Nike might not be around by the time that they get paid back. Okay, okay, well, we're down to the last question. So is, this one's multiple choice, okay? Uh, during your four-year college career, your playing weight never fluctuated from 165 pounds. Was this because, A, the student-athlete canteen did not provide protein shakes? B, the men's basketball strength and conditioning coach never prepared a personal plan for you, nor did he ever learn your name. Or C, a girl you had a crush on told you that lifting weights provoked early onset hair loss, so you prioritize your flowing locks. That's it. No D. No, no choice D. Just three. Yeah, I gotta. I, I gotta go with C. I gotta go with C because uh, Brijesh Patel. Shout out to one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world. Definitely had the fridge stocked with protein shakes. And he definitely knew my name because I was in there just throwing around weights. All right. So I'm going to have to go with C. Okay. I like it. Are we, are, are we done with the interview yet or what? The roast, the roast <laughs> is finished on my side. Yeah. Back to you. How did I do? Ah, good. Yeah. Good. All right. So I guess back, back to, uh, Back to the, the the podcast episode. Let's. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to try and simultaneously think of some more roast questions for you. But I guess we could start with your home country of basketball and why they are just miserable at basketball. Um, well, I I think it's it's a lot of factors, but ultimately, you know, it's it's one big let's say virtuous circle. Um, you know, uh, you can start in any direction or with any let's say topic you want. On the one hand, you know, there's there's a very very small audience or the basketball in the country um you know small audience equates to a lack of resources because there's not many people you know uh bringing resources into the game uh lack of resources means there's an there's lack of access to to quality facilities you know whether that's at the the pro level um where you know ironically in the uk there's you know practically two four six there's yeah there's there's about six or seven um you know indoor facilities that, that seat more than ten thousand people that could host you know uh, professional basketball and, and you know none of them do regularly or whether it's access to facilities for uh, kids you know to, to, to practice and, and clubs to play or schools to play whatever it may be um you know there's lack of quality coaching so you know, anyone that does want to play they there's not enough quality coaches to help them develop um you know lack of quality clubs again, because of the lack of kind of interest and level and so on. So all that equates to lack of play development. Uh, lack of play development means there's lack of, you know, high profile, uh, successful basketball players that, that are role models and the people to look up to. Um, all of those contribute to a lack of a, an attractive professional league. 
you know, and therefore, uh, because of that, there's not um, a massive amount of meteorite sponsorship, you know, coming in. Uh, so there's not massive media exposure because of the lack of media exposure, mainstream media, you know, uh, or even specialized media. Uh, there's lack of an audience, and you know, and you go back to the beginning, and, and it's literally like a, a snowball effect. So, you know, and it's been that way for years. Uh, the potential is massive. There's there's an underlying you know interest, there's an underlying there's a passion, there's an underlying population base um, that, that 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 can definitely do much better. Uh, but it's it's you know potential, potential, potential. Um, I've been hearing it my entire life, so. I mean, you, you hit most of them on the head there. Uh, so, so I don't have any more, I don't have many more holes to pick there, but, but, but I agree. I mean, I think at least from the agent perspective, it's always been tough to send a player there because despite the fact, and, and, and for the record, I mean, I think there's some, some great people and some great coaches that, that are in the UK um, and some very passionate people, but from an agent standpoint, it's very difficult to send a client there because a, the, the salaries are never competitive to anywhere near what it would be like at a high level in Europe and B the respect just isn't there yet in terms of a stepping stone league, because you always want to send a client somewhere that they're going to be able to develop and they're going to be able to take that as a stepping stone somewhere else. And I mean, there are not, there are really no examples that players have or very few that players have went there and then jumped to somewhere else for a higher salary. So, yeah. um, no, no, I mean, well, the, 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 there's no league outside the NBA, um, that has had two different NBA head coaches, you know, coach there before becoming an NBA head coach. I mean, literally none except for the BBL, except for the British League. You know, now obviously it's it's not a it's not a it's not like a, um, a coaching pathway, so it's not like a, a, a guarantee that more will come. But you know, Nick Nurse and, and Chris Finch, you know, both spent time in the UK and, and both coached in that league, and, and you know, and so. You know, like you said, there are some quality coaches, you know, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the reality, but like, you know, it's the same as everything in the UK, you know, Barcelona wise, that so there's, you know, there's a, there's limited number of quality administrators, limited number of quality coaches, limited number of quality players, you know, limited number of quality referees, etc. You know, but, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you that from the, the agent perspective, it's, it's, it's challenging because there's not a massive, let's say, you know, financial motivation, but like you said, even if there wasn't, but it was a good, you know, um, platform. Right. And, you know, but, but again, you know, I, my, my fingers are crossed that, you know, things would develop and change and, and things improve. So. I hope so. So, all right, let's, uh, I guess, last question in regards to some pro stuff in European basketball before we head into our, uh, our, our infamous NCAA conversation. When is European basketball going to come back to pre-pandemic levels of, of normal, I guess, in regards to just logistics and travel and sponsorship and just you know what it was like in its prime yeah i mean honestly no idea um right now you know best case scenario is is, is literally as, as early as you know fall uh, 22 so, so, so 22 23 season and that's the best case scenario which if that happens it means that you know three straight seasons have, have been impacted which is you know uh incredible and, <laughs> and awful you know at the same time um, but, you know, it's, it's incredibly difficult to predict, you know, the, the, the last, you know, 13 months, basically, you know, have, have caused so much disruption um, to, to so many sectors that it's, it's, it's still difficult to accurately predict. But, you know, because we're in April, we, we, we do know for sure that the 21-22 season is going to be, you know, significantly impacted. Again, we, we don't know exactly how much, but it will be. And so, again, best case scenario, you know, 22-23 season, best case. I hope so. 
I hope so too. And, and it's, yeah, it's been very obvious that, you know, obviously with starting from summer league in the NBA and the trickle down effect overseas to, to rosters and budgets, it's already, I can tell a shift because at this point last year, or I guess two years ago, you know, teams are kind of moving and things are, things are planned ahead for the next season. So hopefully uh, we'll have kind of one transition year back to, to some normalcy and then we'll see that back in 2022. All right, let's shift gears a bit. Let's talk NCAA and NIL. And for those listeners who are unfamiliar, uh, besides listening to the, the, the great question that you asked me about my NIL uh, expectations for myself uh, in, in college, NIL is the name, image, and likeness rules that are uh, hopefully soon going to be allow, going to allow student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Some exciting changes coming up. Give me your your your, your first reactions to what this is, how it's going to change the game, and uh, and 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 what's coming up this summer, and and the change for college athletes, really. Um, well, I mean the the. The initial thought or the initial, you know, opinion is, you know, at, at long last, you know, I think this is something that was was an incredibly long time coming. Um, you know, I think there there's a lot of great things about, you know, collegiate athletics, and there's a lot of great things about athletics programs up and down the country. There's a lot of great things about the conferences. There's a lot of great things about, you know, the properties that the, the NCAA does decentralize. Um, you know, but it, you know, it it mm, slavery was abolished, you know, a couple hundred years ago, and um, uh, or, or it should have been, um, and right, um, right, right. And so, you know, in, in 2021, the, the the idea or the principle that you know a head coach can be earning you know almost 10 million dollars a year and can you know change schools overnight if he wants to, but that you know uh, the athletes that are playing on the team you know have a, a very very limited, let's say, a glass ceiling on on, on what they can receive you know, as, as, as part of their contribution playing on the teams and, you know, restrict, you know, massive restrictions on, you know, transferring, um, you know, changing schools and so on. You know, it just, it, it's, unfortunately, it's just so, so antiquated. And so from the European perspective, you know, it, it just, um, it's, it's so straightforward, it's so obvious, it's so necessary that there is an evolution. You know, um, I think it would change, you know, collegiate athletics drastically. Um, I think no one knows exactly to what extent. I, I hope it doesn't destroy, you know, collegiate athletics, because like I said, I think there's, there's a lot of good things about it, um, you know, and, and I hope that, you know, everybody inside the system is, they can adjust accordingly and, um, you know, and, 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 and globally, you know, everyone is better off afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different paths to go down in this conversation. I mean, do you, do you think that, do you think it will, impact at all the amount of players leaving early do you think players will be bored i mean if it works the way it's supposed to work and it's an open market and you know players can earn what their market rate is for whatever it is they want to uh monetize uh with their name image and likeness will that entice players to stay in college for four years versus leaving early for the nba or versus leaving early for overseas um, I don't think it'll impact the, the elite, let's say, crop of, of, of NBA, let's say, candidates. You know, if you're an elite NBA candidate, then the reality is that both as a professional athlete who at any time in your career, you know, you can have a career ending injury, you know, injury illness, um, and, and you can never plan for that. And that you have a relatively short, you know, window uh, or career to, you know, to, to, to play. And the fact that the North American, you know, major leagues, 
like uh, MLB, NFL, um, you know, NHL or NBA uh, or, or MLS that, you know, that, that, that take place in college, that they all have to a greater or lesser extent, you know, rookie scale contracts that basically force, you know, rookies to play for a number of years way below their market value if, if they're an elite player. Um, you know, until they can actually, you know, sign their second or third contracts and then, you know, um, aspire to their, their, their junior market value. All of those basically mean that it's in the interest of those elite talents to get into the league as soon as possible. And, you know, honestly, even if they're not ready, uh, physically, uh, emotionally, you know, socially or whatever, um, you know, if they get in a year earlier, then their second and third contracts, you know, kick in a year earlier. And so they're more likely to have, you know, mm, uh, larger career earnings and so you know if I were a player agent or if I were you know an advisor then most like you know most likely for, for those kind of like elite talents you know that, that that would be the advice you know for that reason and, and again and that's that's regulation inside the collective bargaining agreements which are completely outside the control of the NCAA in their schools and so you know that, that's just again how, how it is and, and how it's set up mm-hmm. for the next kind of tier of, of players who are let's say in a borderline uh, let's see, North American major league players, or who are you know European professional um, you know uh, players. There, I do think that, and I do hope that it encourages players to stay, you know, in in college for their you know for their four year careers, because you know they're getting an education, because they're getting development. You know, I think there's there's a there's an argument, and you know it was interesting watching Gonzaga last night. Um, you know, Gonzaga's top scorer, you know, in his sophomore year was Filip Petrushev and, and top rebounder. You know. And should have been, you know, the, the best player as a junior this year in, in, in the team, uh, you know, and he he chose to leave Gonzaga after two years to go and play pro, you know, literally to prepare himself better, you know, to join the NBA this summer. So possibly, mm-hmm. but, you know, in, in any case, whenever and, and wherever that happens and wherever he plays professionally, you know, again, there, there is a reality, which is that the NCAA uh, restrictions on, on coaching times and, and, and access for coaches to, to players mean that, Again, elite players in sports like basketball are, are going to and can develop better um, outside the collegiate system if, if that's their you know, priority, if that's what they want to do. Um, so, you know, so again, I, I think, again, I think and I hope that, the, you know, it, it improves the situation for student athletes in, you know, like I said, across many sports. Um, and, 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 yeah, overall has, let's say, a positive impact on, on players staying a little bit longer in college. But I don't think it will have a massive impact, you know, either good or bad, in in, in players choosing to drop out, you know, or, or leave early in that sense. Hmm. And and so, if you were to let's just say you start a new venture this summer and and you start a company that's solely based around these these opportunities uh, for for players or helping players monetize their name, image, and likeness. What, what's your strategy? Are you, I guess, what's your strategy and what sports are you focusing on? Um, uh, I, I, I'll probably pass that question. I mean, I'm, I uh, honestly haven't really given it much thought um, from, the, from the business, you know, marketing, let's say monetization side. Um, so I, I don't think I'd give you a very quality answer right now, but just, just conceptually or just strategically, you know, I, I think, it, it's as simple as, you know, exploring and exploiting, you know, the, the popularity that student athletes have during their, you know, career. Um, in a lot of cases in, in the local community, 
you know, because the reality is that many, many student athletes resonate in the local community where their where their you know campus is and, and or within the conference area or whatever. And you know, don't necessarily have a let's say you know, a national or, or international you know footprint. You know, um, but I, I I think there's you know that there is a niche to to, to be explored and to be exploited. Um, you know, and and I, I also think that you know, like many things in life, it will allow you know the good people or you know student athletes that are that are good you know community you know people and citizens let's say, um, you know to 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 get something more back, you know other than what until now was, you know, applause, you know, backslaps and, you know, <laughs> photos with, uh, you know, boosters or whatever it may be in, 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 you know, season ticket holders in the community, which, you know, ultimately, unfortunately, don't, you know, don't pay the bills or don't, you know, don't, right. don't do anything you know, for, for that individual student athlete. So. Right. I think that's the most exciting part about it because, you know, you're, you're going to have basically two main tiers is the way that I'm thinking of it is you're going to have your Zion Williamson's you're going to have your, you know, Jalen Suggs, you're going to have your, um, you know, power conference nationally household name branded athletes. And then you're going to have your, your uh, slightly less infamous Kevin Tarkas of the world who, when they're not busy, you know, um, charging for posts for selling books um, you know, they're going to be able to go to the local restaurant and say, Hey, I'm going to bring in, you know, friends or teammates or, or people to help your bottom line and increase your sales. And, you know, I can get a percentage of that. And maybe it's not a, a national deal with, with Gatorade, uh, but maybe it's a couple thousand bucks or a couple hundred bucks per month that I'm able to generate, which is, which is huge. So it's definitely exciting. I think it's a, it's a game changer for sure. And All if, right. If you did that, then, then maybe you'd have increased your playing weight as well. Uh, <laughs> maybe I. There definitely would have been a lot of. It would not have been a lot of protein shakes. I'll tell you that much. It would have been. It would have been pizzas and maybe maybe the local brewery. That's for sure. Um, awesome. All right. So for you personally, what has been one of the biggest obstacles you've faced in your career, and how have how did you overcome it, or what did you learn from it? Uh, well, I guess the, the first point is I, I, I need to, you know, be very appreciative and, and, and you know, recognize how you know, fortunate I've been that, you know, uh, comparatively speaking to a lot of people, you know, when you're born and brought up in a, in a country which has a, an education system like the UK, you know, it meant that I, I, I had many doors open, I had access to a lot of things, which, you know, many other people don't, you know, haven't had or don't have, you know, during their lifetime. And you know, and similarly, um, you know, when 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 you're born and brought up in a household where you know my, my dad was a high school math teacher, you know, so we we you know we we had a modest but you know comfortable lifestyle at home, and you know, and 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 so again, that's that's that puts you in a position that allows you you know to to, to do a lot of things and, and to go after less opportunities, um, you know, because you're not having to you know worry about you know things that are as basic as you know like putting a meal on the table. Um, but, but, you know, which again, I think we, we, we need to never lose sight. We need to never forget, you know, forget that fact. Having said that, you know, in terms of, you know, obstacles, I guess, perhaps, you know, um, being, let's say, you know, labeled or, or prejudiced, you know, because of where I'm from, you know, the, the reality is that if you're in the world of basketball, whether it was coaching, you know, um, administration, you know, and, and people listen to you or hear you or, you know, know that you're, you're from the UK. Then you know the, the the first question is you know what 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 is a guy from the UK doing in, in a sport of basketball you know because you know basketball doesn't exist in that country so you know what's your you know what's your what's your reputation what's your expertise you know what's your credibility in that sense and so 
you know, for me, it was very simple, you know, put your head down, work hard, you know, prove those people wrong, succeed, you know, and, and repeat. And, you know, and over time, you know, um, work and, you know, results will, will overcome that, so. No doubt, I love it. So what is some advice that you have for someone who wants to get more involved with, let's just say, obviously sports business, but specifically overseas. So uh, I guess it's targeted toward Americans that, um, that want to get involved with uh, any, any type of sports career that is in Europe. And uh, we can touch on a little bit the, the sports business MBA, because I think it's a perfect, honestly, a perfect transition into it. Um, but w- what's some advice you have for them? Um, well, I mean, w- one thing which is, you know, I kind of briefly touched upon um, when I mentioned, let's say, my, my, my decision to move back from the US to, to, to Europe, you know, back in 2006, you know, one thing is, is, is EU nationality. So if there is any way to access EU nationality based on, you know, heritage, like parents, grandparents, great grandparents, whatever, um, uh, or from uh, residency studying in a country, you know, or from, you know, a genuine, you know, relationship and, and, you know, genuine, you know, marriage or whatever, then, you know, then, then really go after that because that will help open so many doors and that will, you know, let's say bring down so many barriers. Um, and that's just life. Again, it's not, you know, it's not ideal, but, but, you know, they're the kind of rules of the game that we will have to play by. Um, you know, another thing is network, you know, so network, 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 you know, get to know people, um, reach out to people, uh, build relationships with people, meet people, connect with people, stay in touch with people, you know, do that and, and grow your network, you know, and, and as they say, make the net, you know, work, um, you know, identify what your personal value proposition is. So, so who are you, what do you bring to the table? Uh, what makes you different? What makes you unique? Where can you help organizations? Where can you help, you know, uh, individual people, individual athletes, um, you know, in that sense, you know, identify who key decision makers are. So ultimately, you know, for example, you could be great networking on a social level and you can have, you know, friends and contacts in dozens of countries in Europe, but they're all, all you know, none of them are in decision making, let's say positions. And so they love you and they want you to come work with them and they, they will bring you in tomorrow if they could, but it's not their decision. So, you know, so make sure you're, you're, you're aware and conscientious and you have identified you know, who, who is in, in, in that position who can do that or, or decide that, you know, and then, you know, put yourself out there. So whether it's, you know, volunteer somewhere, you know, intern somewhere, you know, take a low paid entry position somewhere, or, you know, you mentioned it, and obviously I'm very biased on, on, on this topic, but, you know, um, study and, and, and you know, develop and, and do something like the, the Sportsman's MBA, you know, uh, co-organized by Yuri Basel and, and Vitatas Managed University. Uh, you know, because again, that will help you to network. It will help you to develop your skill set. It will help you to, you know, visit uh, different organizations. It will help you to, you know, um, open doors, you know, essentially. Mm. Yeah. So, so just to touch on that a little bit more, to talk a bit more about the, the sports business MBA. I mean, I'm very open with people that ask me about it and, you know, why I chose to do a master's degree, because at the time it was obviously, you know, a, a master's, it was at a different university. And for me, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit, like, I wasn't too even interested in the further education. I just knew that for me to be able to open up doors, build relationships with people that are from different, uh, different cultures, different countries, um, add to that network of of maybe not decision makers yet with the classmates, but decision decision makers with with guys like yourself, and just to learn that market. I mean, it's just it's it's invaluable, um, and it was for me. And now 
in addition to that, obviously taking a step up to the new university and getting an MBA. Um, I mean, it's it's a no brainer. I'm just and 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 so I'm dumbfounded that, I, that maybe I haven't been able to convince anyone to do it yet. But uh, you know, I, I think you might be able to do a little bit better job on that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you, you just said it yourself, and 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 one point, just as a quick parenthesis again that, that you just touched on now is, you know, when when you when you when you network with people, you know, I, I think it's very important to to keep and and, and you know build or develop you know uh, relationships because, you know. Um, someone you met 20 years ago and you know maybe you met them because you were in the bar you know at the same time or you know someone introduced you know socially and whatever you know 20 years later that that person you know could become suddenly very important in your life for you know on a professional level on a personal level or wherever it may be you know you know my first year at state you know when I was helping out on the women's side you know there was a walk on the men's side you know whose name was Matt Ishbia now you know Matt Ishbia today is a billionaire um, you know, and you know, he runs, you know, he's one of the top 10 wealthiest guys in the US or something, you know, in his early 40s. And, um, you know, and he, you know, was a walk on at Michigan State. So, you know, he was, you know, another student at Michigan State, you know, who walked onto the men's basketball team and, you know, who, who had an incredible work ethic and who, who developed and built and, and had and maintained, you know, great relationships with, with everyone he ever met. And who 20 years later, you know, still talks about the impact and influence that you know coach Izzo had on him and you know that he applies in his daily life you know work and so on and you know and, and uh, I mean okay so not not everyone is going to you know um, network with Matt Ishbia but but it's you know it's just an example of you know people you network with today and that are you know friends socially or contacts or you know let's say distant contacts and so on in some you know some years down the road they may become uh, you know they may be in key positions to help you again professionally or you know personally socially family-wise, you know, whatever. So, you know, I, I and, and, and I think, you know, again, I, I, you know, full, full disclosure, like always, now I am biased and I, I did study the program, you know, before you, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, the, the, the director of the program for many years, but, you know, I, I think just like you said, you know, the, the idea of, you know, further, you know, education, you know, CPD, it, it really is about what you said, you know, it's, it's, it, one part of it is, is obviously, you know, the, the academic, let's say content, the academic quality and, and, you know, and, and cause you're making an investment in yourself, you know, you're investing your, your, your resources, you're investing your time um, to, to study something, to do something. Um, but again, like you said, you know, it, it only, you only see the results sometimes, you know, over time of that investment you make in yourself. But, you know, I'm, I, I really think that, you know, getting outside your comfort zone and, and you know, I, I'm a big proponent as well about, you know, studying in a different country, a different culture. So, you know, even, you know, it's, it's an English language program. So for, you know, North American students, it's easy on, on, on the language side and it's, you know, it's blended learning. Um, so, you know, it's mostly online and, you know, there, there are some in-person sessions in Europe. But, but you know, again, if you, if you have an opportunity to do something like, you know, that program itself or, or something similar, you know, again, get outside your comfort zone do something different. And, and again, you, you will see the, you know, you'll reap the rewards, you know, for sure. So. Great, man. I think we've, we've pretty much reached the end of uh, most of the topics that I think we've had to, to talk about unless, unless I forgot something or you have any other, uh, you have any other in-depth questions for me here. I guess the last one I have for you is what's, what's next for, for, for Ed Scott. What's uh, I mean, I know obviously you're, you're, you just recently have kind of transitioned out and you're spending some time with family, but what, what's, uh, you know, what's an ideal next step for you? Are you trying to, trying to figure that out right now? Well, I have a cold cup of coffee, um, which I need to finish. 
um, and then go pick up the girls because they, they finished school in about an hour. Um, so that's you know, that's my short term future there. Uh, but no, uh, no. At the moment, I'm in the, in the process of, of seeing what comes next. Um, you know, having some some informal conversations with different people, and you know, essentially looking for you know a good fit um, and then, and a project that you know is is a good, yeah, literally a good fit on on the professional and on the family side. Um, you know, and 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 if possible, and like many things in life, you, you can't guarantee this, but you know, hopefully working forum with people that that you you know that you're aligned with that, that, that you have a similar you know vision or philosophy or principles to um and and so that you know you can you can add value you can contribute you can help to to their organization in in you know whatever it is they're doing um and in whichever way you know possible so great well wherever you land they're going to be lucky to have you we'll be on the lookout for that in the near future here and so the official last thing before we wrap up is what i call a sports business lightning round so it's not it, it might not be as customized and in-depth as your questions for me, but I'm going to fire some questions at you and you got to hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite color? Black. Most points you've ever scored in a game in your life? <laughs> Maybe 14. So, so more free throws than I hit? Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. MJ or LeBron? MJ. One of the coolest cities in the world you've been to? Mm. That's a tough one. Same, same as my question for you. Yeah. A, a lot a lot come into the mind. Um, yeah, let me come back to you. Okay. What's something you're really bad at? Hmm. My wife's in the room, so I have to really think about this one too. <laughs> you want me to come back? Uh, no, nah, there's just so many things. That that's why it makes it hard. You know, it makes me hard for me to choose one. Uh, something I'm really bad at, I guess, is um, um, doing things straight away. What's one of your biggest strengths? Patience. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Uh, my parents, my mom, my dad, my wife. What was your first ever job? I think you talked about this earlier. Uh, formally, I guess it would be a newspaper round. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, I did this one with my daughter recently. Uh, which one did I choose? Yeah, so teletransportation, let's say, to transport myself immediately somewhere. And a couple more here. If you could trade jobs with anyone in any industry for one week to live life in their shoes, who would it be? That's a great question. Um, Yeah, it's another great question. Um, I guess to be the Secretary General of the United Nations. Mm, that's first. I like it. And last one, which is a little easier. You touched on it before. If you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old Ed, what would you tell him? Um, 
relax, have a little bit more fun, don't be so uptight. A couple more pints in Guildford? Uh, well, anywhere, <laughs> to be honest. Any, anywhere great. where I, I, I was, you know, in the world at that time, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, man, this was amazing. I appreciate I your time. I, I didn't. I didn't answer your city question. Oh, that's right. It's, Thanks for it's reminding difficult me. To pick, it's difficult to pick one. You got to choose one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with home cooking. I'm, I'm going to go with Mexico City. Nice. Nice. I've still never been there yet. I got to add it to the list. Amazing, man. Well, again, I, I really appreciate your time. There's, uh, this is probably going to turn into several episodes. There's a lot of gems in here. I hope people were taking notes. Um, I, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate our relationship. And, the, and and despite how many times you make fun of me, the, the doors you've opened for me and, and the people you've introduced me to, and I'm excited to see where uh, where you land next. And hopefully after this crazy pandemic, we'll be able to grab a couple of, a couple of pints uh, or, or, or some, uh, some food there, tapas in, in Barcelona. No problem. Remember, every time one door opens, a window closes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, Kevin. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.